Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are diving into two of the main birth narratives of Jesus, the one from Matthew and the one from Luke. We've got some interesting things that we've noticed about it, and we've got some interesting conversation to be had. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Becky Clark. And I'm Adrian Smith. So join us as we go deeper. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, and uh, I'm really excited that we've got you, Adrian, here today. I'm excited uh, to be here. Yeah, a, a new face, a new voice to enter your thoughts into the this thing that we call the Going Deeper podcast. Uh, but I think it's kind of appropriate as we we see ourselves where we are specifically this week in the the podcast schedule because in just a couple of weeks we begin the season of Lent Mm -hmm. and so we're we're working our way up to that pretty quickly in these readings Uh, and I just like that we're we're right here right now talking about the birth of Jesus yes Advent was a month and a half ago Christmas was a month and a half ago that's all fine and dandy but we're we're here we're starting the story fresh and new and there's some really interesting things as as you read back and forth uh, the passages for this week. I bet you're going to notice some things about the the birth narratives in these two gospels. So, yeah, I just want to know y'all's thoughts on that. <laughs> well, we should uh, we should start with Adrienne. She's our our newbie in the podcast, mm-hmm. so. Uh, <laughs> She's got a ton of notes, y'all. She does have a ton of notes, which I'm really excited about. I did my homework. (laughs) So we'll let you start. Maybe we'll go through some of your your questions and thoughts over there, and we'll kind of see where the conversation uh, takes us from that. Okay. So So my first big question, it's kind of a big, hard one, and it kind of comes from I'm a very logical thinker. I like things to be in order. And so when reading these passages, of course, they're different. They have different perspectives, different timelines, things like that. But um, what really, what I kind of got into was when the, the Magi went to visit baby Jesus, um, Herod sent them, and it said that they went to Bethlehem. But also, at the same time, Joseph had a dream, and he was told to go to Egypt for their safety. Well, I've always heard that the Magi took probably a year or two to get to Jesus. And so I'm kind of like, okay, well, if they went to Bethlehem, but they had to flee to Egypt for their safety, what is that timeline? I mean, how how does that all fall into place? Mm-hmm. And it's just very fascinating to me because those dots did not connect, and I like to connect the dots. Right. Well, and I think one thing that I like about reading plans like this, and that I really liked about last year's E100 reading plan, is <clears throat> it, it may be, to me, it, it helps me think of things in a new way. Uh, and... 
one of the things that I like to think about is, yes, we like to think in this very linear way where this happened and this happened, this happened and this happened. But what we might want to keep in mind is that, you know, if you're a fan of any kind of modern television, you know, any good series inevitably at some point is going to have a time hop in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the Bible is full of time hops Absolutely. that are just kind of, you don't know exactly how much time right. took place in between this episode and that episode, but we know some time took, you know, something happened and there was a lot of time in between these things. And, you know, I, if we get out of that mentality of thinking, okay, day one, this, day two, that, day three, this, you know, uh, then maybe we can, I don't know, there, there's room for us to, I don't know, have a little more fun with the story and be a little more imaginative in a constructive way. Well, but I think the secular world has put all of it into one bag, so to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, uh, I was telling Becky earlier, I like nativity scenes. And, you know, it puts them all there. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Well, they weren't all there at the same That's time, right. really. I, I you know? Know? <laughs> I've got a nativity set that came with four wise men. I don't know. Well, they I, really don't know how many ones they <laughs> I think it was a packaging mistake, but I like to say, hey, he's just the extra one. You never know. You never know. Yeah. But, uh, but it was just, it's just interesting because mm -hmm. you read about when they take him to Simeon when he was eight days old, mm -hmm. but then, um, and that was Jerusalem. So it's just fascinating the and you think about how they had to travel and oh, absolutely. just when you, when you try to put our logical, our day and time thinking to it, it's a little baffling. Oh, absolutely. And uh, another thing that I think we, we should keep in mind, and of course, Becky, you and I have been to Israel, mm -hmm. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, mm -hmm. and Adrian, you want to go. I'm going. Yeah, she's going. Yeah, I'm going. Yes. So, little plug, <laughs> come to the Holy Land Maybe with us. If anybody else wants to come, you can. Yes, please. <laughs> because um, I hear they have really pretty nativity sets there. They, They're they beautiful, do. They're beautiful. Especially ones. in Bethlehem, the olive wood nativity <laughs> yeah, sets. They are do fantastic. have beautiful I'm ones. going for that, uh, too. <laughs> You have a goal, but, uh, so you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you you hear in and when they took Jesus to Jerusalem for all the ritual stuff, mm -hmm. Bethlehem and Jerusalem are right next to each other. They're six miles apart. Yeah, they are very close. It's mm -hmm. not like this long, arduous journey. I mean, but you took a bus. Hills. We took a we bus. Did. Yes, we did. Well, so uh -huh. six miles on foot is very different from six miles in a bus or a car. So, right. but but it wasn't a weeks long journey right. for them. And even when we get further into this, you know, when they're in Galilee area and everything, it's still, Israel is a tiny little place. Mm -hmm. And so all these stories are much closer. I mean, I think Israel is not as big as Louisiana even. Maybe it's bigger, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, well, but so, along those lines, I, I wanna share this. Uh -huh. um, I heard a man say this week, um, it was actually Tony Evans that said it. He mm -hmm. said that um, Jesus never wrote a book, but he has the best-selling book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he only traveled like 300 miles from his whole, life. His mm -hmm. whole yeah. life, you know, from his birthplace and all that. But yet he's known throughout the world. Yeah. So yeah. you talking about how small it really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. 
but yet how big he is. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you say that thing known throughout the world, that brings up one of the points that I noticed that was different between the two gospel accounts here. And you have the book of Matthew, which just reading the, the genealogy, which we don't read, uh, but the book of Matthew starts with the genealogy of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, that to me says that Matthew is writing to Jewish people. He's trying to make sure that the Jews know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. He's the real deal. Trust in him. Yeah, most people believe that Matthew's audience was a Jewish Christian audience. And and we also think, and, and we we talked briefly, that Luke also was kind of talking to Jewish people primarily. Yeah. But one noticeable difference that I saw between Matthew and Luke was Luke was stressing the idea of bringing in everybody, all people, all nations. Yeah, he he seems to kind of uh, spend a lot of time in detail trying to paint the picture that, that Jesus is for all um, and not just for a select group. And now the Israelites believed that Jesus was supposed to come, the Messiah was supposed to come to save them. And very particularly to save them from um, Roman um, power, mm-hmm. right? That they are being stifled by the Romans. The Romans are taking their land and um, ruling over them and all that kind of stuff. So this Messiah was supposed to come, save them from that, free them from that and um, be the king and yeah. restore their land to them. Now, when he, Jesus comes, really the picture is much bigger than that. It's, it's not just for a, a small group of people, it's for the whole world the whole nation, the, the, the Gentiles become a part of that. The more than Israel becomes the land, the world becomes the land, which is a great quote that you had from Tony Evans about the fact that his book is known by everyone. And he has really, he is known by all the nations because that's the point, right? That's what Jesus is supposed to, that's why he came, is to be known by all the nations. Um, so Luke is trying to paint a bigger picture mm-hmm. uh, for all of creation to be, um, to be saved. And Matthew is spending more time kind of addressing Jewish Christians and taking, taking care of the situation between how to reconcile what the Jews thought with this kind of new way of thinking in regard to, yes, he's come for the Jews, but he's come for all. And that was a struggle for the Jewish people. Um, so Matthew addresses that differently. And interestingly, you know, these are the only gospels of the four that address birth narrative of Jesus. John starts with the light and then he moves into talking about um, John and Jesus and the beginning of ministry. And then Mark kind of really jumps straight ahead and kind of gets right into the meat really early on. Yeah. So we have two gospel accounts that are sharing different details, but they're only the t- there are only two of the four that address the birth narrative. Mm-hmm. And and Luke is more detailed. And we talked yes. about that. I mean, that's what uh-huh. we were talking about, about the interesting, um, the details of that. And so to get back to your question of uh, timeline, which Kyle already kind of ad- addressed this idea of, um, we, we like to have things in order. Mm-hmm. And the intent of the authors is some extent is to give some order but really it's to paint a bigger picture. So Luke has details about when you read the the Luke narrative, we've got 
um, Mary and Joseph, and they're going to Bethlehem from Nazareth, and they're going for the census. And after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, they do the eight-day-old um, naming ceremony, which is a, a very Jewish custom to do. Uh, and then at 40 days old, they travel from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, Luke tells us, to do the sacrifice for the firstborn. And so we've got movement, right? And that's where Simeon and Anna come mm-hmm. in, in the temple in Jerusalem. And then it tells us that Luke's gospel kind of, I don't know, just kind of says after that, then they go home to Nazareth, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we've got them from Nazareth to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to Jerusalem, Jerusalem back to Nazareth. And then Matthew says they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, stay there for a while, maybe, Mm-hmm. See, the thing I told Adrian yesterday that I find kind of interesting is Herod sends the wise men to Bethlehem. He tells them because the chief priests and the scribes, he'd called them in when the wise men came to visit him looking for the, the new king. Um, and the interesting thing about this, if you don't know this about this whole scenario about the wise men, they were believed to have been sent by Persia, which is up in Mesopotamia area. Mm-hmm. That's the, the part above um, Israel. Middle school world history. And uh, yes. And they were sent very likely because it was custom when a new king of a country was um, uh, enthroned, essentially, people from other countries would send, either they would go themselves or they would send dignitaries with gifts to recognize the new king. So you've got people from other cultures that are actually recognizing that this baby Jesus is the new king uh, come on the scene. Mm -hmm. Really, even before most of the people of God notice. Uh Um, And so they come looking for this new king and they go to Herod first because he's kind of ruling over the area and Herod feels very threatened because you don't want, he didn't want a new king. He calls the chief priest. No, guy, no right? he's the king. I mean, essentially. He thinks he, he's good. He yeah. thinks he's good. He's fine. Uh, just a little a more history for you. Uh, it is recorded that Herod killed at least three to four of his own children because he was threatened by them potentially taking over his throne and he killed a wife. And that's not, so, is that Bible or is that secular history? It's secular history yeah, about so. what is recorded to be this particular Herod. So it's not unsurprising. And then when we have the biblical account that he goes and kills all the firstborn. <laughs> He's not a nice he man. He has some history and future uh, of that. Um, so he sends, sorry, he sends them to Beth. Well, he tells them, the scribes and the priests have said that according to prophecy, he will be born in Bethlehem. But... Matthew doesn't necessarily say that they end up in Bethlehem. Matthew says they leave Herod and they follow the star and they find the baby. We could have been in Bethlehem. He could have been in Nazareth. I don't know. But some people also posit that it is likely that Jesus and Mary and Joseph spent up to two years in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's possible. I, Really, the bigger issue, I think, is Matthew is trying to paint the picture on the very front end that Jesus is the king, Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And even other people who are not the Israelites recognize it. And so the timeline is not nearly as important to Matthew as the details of some things that 
that help kind of uh, paint the picture of his gospel yeah. of where he's trying to go and the story he's trying to tell to his particular audience. Luke, on the other hand, is a is a, a detail man, um, and he spends a lot of his gospel kind of creating details mm-hmm. and and putting more detail than a lot of other gospel writers. When you tell the same stories, um, he tends to have more details to it. Yeah, that's but his personality. Yeah, and I kind of feel like Matthew being the accountant is very regimented in rules mm-hmm. and things like uh-huh. that. And so you get the lineage from him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you get the reason why Joseph kept Mary and why he stayed betrothed to her, mm-hmm. you know, because that really was breaking a rule. It was. So yeah. I guess to me, he was trying to explain why they were not following that rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just found it interesting that Luke focused on Mary, Matthew focused on Joseph. Yes. And it was. Luke spends a lot of time actually focusing on, uh, on women in his gospel account. Mm -hmm. Um, He, he spends a lot of time kind of painting a bigger picture of the role of women within uh, the, the church and within, you know, leadership and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, that's, I think that's one of the reasons he, he addresses Mary and Elizabeth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both. Mm -hmm. So he spends a lot of time on the front end talking about two significant women. Um, where they came from, like mm-hmm. the origins of their relationship as well, because that builds for Luke, he's building the story to show again, the relationship between John and Jesus. So he paints the picture with Mary and Elizabeth, and then that takes you through the story mm-hmm. um, of their connection. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump real quick back to the Herod thing, because mm-hmm. this is one of those passages where, where Herod does go through and kill a bunch of people. He does. Um, it's, it's a difficult passage to read and it's, it's difficult for us to really kind of wrap our brains around. And one of the potential dangers that we have when we read something like this is I want to make sure we're not attributing man's decisions and the outcomes of man's decisions to God. Mm-hmm. So it's not God's fault that all these people were killed. All these, these firstborn were, were killed. It was Herod. Oh no, Herod was completely yeah. threatened. He right. was, com- yes. And the Romans were known for being very vicious mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So, but this is not and, the first time we've seen this in the Bible either. That's right. Right. So, and, and so just, just to be clear that it's really easy to make that leap or it can be really easy to make that leap and say, I can't, this God, he's terrible. How, how could he? Well, we've addressed free will in the past, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, or that yeah. rabbit trail, rather. Um, but let's just make sure as we're reading this, as, as you're sitting with this very heavy passage at home, you know, make sure that you're not trying to blame God for the heartache, necessarily. Because the the consequences of Herod's actions just don't put those on God. Yeah, I can't imagine imagine the misery of the Israelite people as Herod went through and had babies. Yes, horrible, horrendous time. Um, it just it goes to show. Um, 
what the Israelites were living through, even in their even in their land, in the promised land, there was so much loss and hopelessness, which again is the point of the Messiah. It's the point, the need for the savior. But the the other interesting parallel I think that happens, which Adrian started to allude to is, um, you know, Pharaoh yeah. killed mm-hmm. firstborn sons uh, because he was threatened. Uh, he was scared. The Israelites had grown in number so much that he was afraid that they were going to take over. And the way that, these cultures kind of worked was a threat. You, you remove the threat. And the way that you did that a lot of times was you decimated a group of people. Um, and so they're in Egypt and that happens, but what comes of that? Moses, Moses comes of that. And Moses comes to be the mouthpiece that God is going to deliver the people and bring them freedom and take them out of their oppression. Well, what happens right here with Jesus? Yes, Herod is doing a horrible thing. Where does Jesus go? He goes to Egypt, right? How funny is that? They, he goes and hides in Egypt, but his intent in the end is the same as was for Moses, except his is complete. His is the complete salvation, whereas Moses for the people could not be the complete, but it was a promise that God was going to fulfill and he was going to save them and take them to the place of freedom. And that's what Jesus is here to do as well. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Jesus is fully God at the same time, and it gets to be fully complete for all of humanity. Well, I think the advantage we have um we know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So when we read this and, you know, in this joyful time, you know, Jesus is born, but yet this still happened. I think what one thing we can take from this is Jesus never promised that following him was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy. Yeah. And we are going to have trials, but he's with us. Right. Emmanuel. Yes. He is with us. That's yeah. right. So... And if, if you out there listening and watching struggle with that notion, then I'm gonna point you to a very specific video we did for Trinity Online. Uh, it was fall of last year uh, and Marie actually did the message for it. So I'll, I'll point you to that one if you struggle with that idea, the concept of life being easier, life being difficult, whatever. Uh, so go watch that one and I'll put the link for that one in the description of the video and the podcast so you can find it because it, it really was good. And Adrian, you bring up a really great point uh, of that. And it just reminded me of that video that Marie did. So I'm talking off the cuff here. <laughs> Well, I don't know how many questions we've gotten to that are on your multiple pages of questions. <laughs> I know we don't have too much more time. Well, these but... really aren't questions. They were just my notes uh-huh. that yeah. I took from each passage. Yeah. She's got page upon page. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love the shepherds. I love mm-hmm. that story. Mm-hmm. Um, a book that I read, it, and it was actually partly written by a messianic jewish rabbi Mm -hmm. so it's very fascinating to hear his point of view and um i love the shepherds just because um they they were the lowly people they were Mm -hmm. stinky they were messy they you know but that's who the angels went to Mm -hmm. um and the this rabbi also said that 
it could have been that Jesus was born in one of these caves mm-hmm. out in these fields. Yeah. And in these same caves, sheep were born or lamb, lamb, little mm-hmm. lambs were born. And they would take the unblemished lamb and they would wrap the unblemished lamb in a cloth so it would not be blemished for the sacrifices. And so then he said, then it was possible that Jesus was born in one of these caves. He was wrapped in a cloth. Mm -hmm. Uh He was a sacrifice. Well, and And I, I just think that's a really cool. Yeah. There, uh, as we were going through Israel and when we went to the shepherd's caves, Mm -hmm. there was something very, authentic feeling about it. Uh, Yes, they've been done up for tourists and all that stuff. But even still, this idea of of seeing the landscape and seeing these fields and then the caves and all that kind of stuff. In Israel, if you go, when you go, uh, there are different like rankings of sites of they know this happened, they think this happened, and this might have happened, you mm-hmm. know? In these places, in right. In these places, right. right. Some of it is uh, kind of trying to figure out yeah. geography. But, but when you go to a certain place, for me, it was this feeling of, okay, this feels authentic, mm-hmm. you know? And the shepherd's fields and the shepherd's, uh, the, the, the caves and everything was one of those places to me. It's like, it just felt right. So I love that idea of the, the cave. Yeah. And I had not heard the thing about the lamb being wrapped up. That's one of the other things I read beautiful. about, um, about the cloths as well is that it wasn't, um, unusual for newborn babies for up to two months to be wrapped in swaddling cloth like that, that's been ripped up because it, uh, they believed that it helped the baby grow strong and straight. So in the sense of like the limbs would grow strong, the well, limbs would grow straight like, out and all that kind of didn't stuff. Didn't they soak them? Was there? I don't know. I feel like there was something with. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know that detail, but yeah. maybe we'll, we'll have to do some research yeah, we'll have about to look that. Into that. So there's two kind of interesting thoughts in regard to the wrapping mm-hmm. and the swaddling clothes. And, you know, God always um, uses the imagery from the very beginning of us as the sheep and he is the shepherd. And so it makes sense to kind of call the shepherds first and to make this connection between the lamb and the shepherds and, and Jesus and us. And well, and when you you were talking, we were talking yesterday, you were even saying so many shepherds are in the lineage of Christ. They are. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just, there's just a lot of little dots that yeah. could really right. be connected. Yeah. Right. And I love those moments mm-hmm. when you're like, oh. That's really neat about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, go, talking about Israel as well, when we when we went to the shepherd's field, there's a, a church that's built um, in one of the fields that they're, they're guessing is the field. Uh, there's a lot of space. So um, <laughs> anyway, it was one of the, it's very known for having the best acoustics. Do you remember this? When I we do went? remember and, very and they, well. And people go in and they sing, Christmas songs, right? That's what you want to do when you're in the shepherd's uh, fields uh, temple and everything. And it's it's beautiful acoustics. And honestly, what that makes me think of is when uh, when Jesus is um, 
born, it talks about how to, how the, the shepherds get visited by the angels and they kind of herald in. And I can't imagine how kind of beautiful even that sound is, uh, the glory to God of, you know, all this kind of how cool that was. So it's kind of an echo when you go now of just this beautiful sound that the shepherds must have, must have mm-hmm. heard as the angels visited them to tell them mm-hmm. that the Messiah has been born. Right, the beauty of that moment, yeah. um, and the heralding of heaven mm-hmm. as that birth yeah. happened. You know, anyway, gives you chills. Maybe I love the shepherds bit. too. Yeah. I love the yeah. shepherds too. But it's just to me a symbol that he came for all of us. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The stinky, and, the ugly, uh-huh. the that's right. <laughs> and I mean, he's in a manger. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's been laying in a manger, which is where the animals ate out of. Mm-hmm. And then we talked later on in the Luke passage where when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to Jerusalem for the sacrifice of the firstborn son, the dedication of mm-hmm. the firstborn son, they're, they bring the poor man's sacrifice. Yeah. And you're supposed to bring a, a goat, I think. Yes. I think that's what Leviticus says mm-hmm. is a, a one-year-old goat, all this kind of stuff for the sacrifice and dedication of your firstborn son. They, If you don't have that, here's the poor man's version of the sacrifice. And that's what Mary yeah. and Joseph bring is the poor man. So <laughs> they don't even have the best to sacrifice yeah. at the altar for Jesus as being the, for Jesus, right? They have the poor man's sacrifice. I, I think that's important for us to think about as well, because it's almost as if God is saying, see, you have made these categories mm-hmm. and you have set up these signs of who's better than who, but I'm going to undo all that. And he's like leveling the playing field here. And that's, to me, it's hard for us in our context to really understand, especially in, uh, America is a very wealthy nation. There's, There's definitely poverty here. But we're on a much more even playing field in this country than in many other countries around the world. And so it's, it's important for us, I think, to realize that, that God is coming in and saying, mm-hmm. it's all the same. Well, he was most offended with the people of God when the people of God didn't take care of the ones who were in most need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, exactly. that's, that's when they got in the most trouble, when they weren't taking care of the lowly and the poor and the widow and the orphan and the hungry. And uh, because... Jesus, God has come for all, they're all mm-hmm. his. And, you know, Jesus comes to say, okay, well, what you've thought, um, I'm going to turn that up. I mean, I, I, my parents aren't even going to bring the very best that you could possibly bring to dedicate me. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring the very least that they could have brought. Yeah. And I'm born in either a cave or downstairs of, of an inn and a home with all the animals who stink. And um, <laughs> the shepherds are the ones that come and see me first, mm-hmm. not... Not even the Magi, because you're right. It probably took them a long time to get there. So the lowly who are sitting out in the field sleeping under the stars um, and probably eating stale bread and whatever else are the ones that get to see him first. Mm-hmm. And then the the cool thing about Luke 
Luke's passage is you've got this kind of stranger Simeon who's just, we don't know anything about him except Mm -hmm. he's just this faithful guy. He's old. And he's old and he has been waiting a long time, (laughs) but God promised him, Mm -hmm. just this guy promised him that he gets to set eyes on Jesus and to know. And not only that, but he gets to like bring kind of a prophecy and Mm -hmm. he speaks to Mary this prophecy of his birth, his life, and his eventual death. So how do y'all think Simeon knew that was Jesus? when he walked in? I would imagine there's a tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Of the Spirit. Yeah. Of this, well, because we know the Holy Spirit has already talked to him. Yeah. And the Holy uh-huh. Spirit in the Scripture prompts him to go that day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, yeah. You know, how did the shepherds Lots really know when they found him? Yeah. to my head, though. Right. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his head glowed. Yeah, there was yeah. those pictures. Yeah. 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 Right, that's yeah. exactly what happened. So, mm-hmm. question for us. Do you think Jesus walked around with a glowing head? I mean, I, you know, all the pictures no, say he did. He also wasn't blonde-haired and blue-eyed. No, he wasn't. Probably so. not. No. Yes. Yeah. But you're talking about Simeon, and we were talking about all peoples, and part of what Simeon reads is in verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning... Even one of the Simeon was a priest, yes. No, we don't no? know. A man, just, just, just a, a guy. man. Just okay. a guy. Anna <laughs> is a prophetess. She's a prophetess. Okay, mm-hmm. so but, but you got Simeon this, was righteous yeah. and devout. That's all we know. Yeah. Right, righteous mm-hmm. and devout. Mm-hmm. And you've got him saying something that is completely antithetical to yep. what the scribes and Pharisees were hoping for: is this come and save us? Yep. Come and save us. Mm-hmm. Not we're not worried about them. Mm-hmm. Us and now Simeon's like for the Gentiles mm-hmm. and your glory and the glory of your people Israel. So it's the Gentiles first mentioned in this, and then the glory of your people Israel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's important for us to realize that sometimes it's it's the other. Yep. Yeah. We should think it's about first. All. It's the all. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. all. So. Because Gentiles were very much considered other. Oh, yeah. By the Jews. Yeah. Not liked. Sorry, I just made a funny yeah. face for all those people out there who were listening. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, talking about the sacrifice that they brought, it mm-hmm. said they brought a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I mean, it just kind of makes me think, you know, when we're doing something for Jesus, it doesn't have to be grand. Mm-hmm. As long as we are giving our best, yeah, it's enough for mm-hmm. him. Mm. And I just think we need to remember that it doesn't yeah. have to be this glorious, huge thing. There's if mm-hmm. if you're truly trying to glorify God, it it, it could it could be little. Yeah, it could, we don't have to big, big, and well, right. I think some people think it has to be big, and if it can't be big, then they just don't do do anything. Yeah. Well, and. And that actually leads us perfectly into where we're headed next week. Good. As next week we start looking at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Uh, so you've got some good stuff to look forward to next week. <clears throat> and every speaking, week. Every week. Every week. Yes, These every are week These are is good really good. Um, but just like Adrian was saying, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grand or anything. So with that in mind... You don't have to have the most fascinating question to send to us. (laughs) If you have even the smallest question about 
well, what is the deal with the turtle doves or what is the deal with this word in this scripture or whatever? Tell us, ask us. Yeah. And if you have a comment, if you think we got something wrong here, or if you think there's, there's a perspective that we're missing, uh, please tell us because that's the beauty of this is not just our conversation at this table, but the larger conversation that we can have uh, about all this stuff. Because when we start talking about the works of God, then God will, will start noticing the works of God, I think. So send us your questions to askgoingdeeper at gmail.com. <laughs> That's my, my ploy every week. We really love questions. We, we really, really do. do. It's uh, one of the most fun parts. We kind of joke with Doug that we, we <laughs> want the gotcha questions, but if you just need, they don't have to be gotcha questions. They can be just clarifying questions and that's fine. Uh, but yes, do send us your questions. Askgoingdeeper at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe, write us a review, send us comments and all that kind of stuff. Any last words, any last thoughts before we wrap up today? We're going to have to bring you back, Adrian. I'll come back. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. We, we've got space. I'm looking at my schedule and there are still blanks on the schedule. So yes, come back. And so <laughs> give us a thumbs up to let Adrian know that you want her back. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Y'all be kind, please uh -huh. be kind. <laughs> I did enjoy, um, which I'm, I, just, I love researching mm -hmm. the Bible I'm, and I just keep sitting here thinking, I'm just gonna have to come back and we're just gonna have to talk one day too, you know, yeah, because I, I love dissecting mm -hmm. all this. It's It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for trusting that I would be okay oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been great so with that i guess we're done for today uh do all the things that i said subscribe if you're on youtube you know the like button and the notification bell button mm -hmm. hit all those things and with that i will say thanks for listening we'll see y'all next week <laughs> <laughs>